The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Hi, it's Doc Thompson to tell you about a wonderful book available in paperback and in stores for the first time, The List by legendary best-selling author J.A. Conrad. It plunges you into a twisted conspiracy that runs deep into the very heart of the American government. Ten strangers, each with a mysterious tattoo, a top-secret past, and connections to a famous historical figure. But that's not all they have in common. They're being hunted. Grab your copy of The List by J.A. Conrath at a local Walmart or bookseller. Visit jaconrath.com for more info. We're about a 12. 12 today. Why? Didn't you watch? Don't even know what I'm talking about with the 12? No. A 12. You don't know what I'm talking about. You're you're more just No, no, no. I'm a 12. I'm about a 12, maybe a 13 on a 1 to 10 North Korea skepticism scale. Oh. About, About a 12. So 10 being the most skeptic, skeptical, and one being like, sure, whatever. Uh, I'm about a 12, maybe a 13. I've calmed down just a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there, though, right there. Did you, did you see any of it? Did you, uh, I didn't see did it. Did you see the uh, press conference from Trump? I saw the pictures, the historic pictures. Yeah, let me back up and say, uh, this is not anything against Trump. My skepticism has nothing to do with us. President Trump, it's all about what we can expect, what is likely from North Korea. Now, I do have one small bit of optimism, one small bit, and that is based on the fact that Kim Jong-un was raised in the West, that he's younger and was raised in the West, and there is a possibility, if any of this is to be true... Any of this to be true, meaning that good things are coming. North Korea is going to do denuclearize. They're going to stop raping and torturing their people. That it's going to become a democratic uh, country. You know what I'm saying? If any of these are to happen in the future, the only possible gateway right now in what we're seeing is that Kim Jong-un actually wants the country to be different. He's just playing the game right now in order to transition it. Okay. Imagine for a moment, you were Kim Jong-un, right? Dad handpicked you, because you know, he has several siblings yeah. that dad could have picked. He actually uh, handpicked Kim Jong-un out of, uh, it was kind of rare, he should have picked, if you look at like oldest and whatever, should have picked a different kid. But anyway, he picked him. Let's say you're him and you're like, you know what, this is crazy. This We need to do be more Western and more open and more all this. He can't just say, hey, I'm the new dictator. Here's what we're going to do. I know that's the belief because he's a dictator, but you've got factions within your regime that are working against you. That's how it works. So if you try to move too quickly in the wrong direction, whatever, what's going to happen? They are going to oust you at some point. There could be a military coup. All of that's possible. There are hardliners that work closely with him that want that regime in place, that they want it like his father's regime and his grandfather's regime. So the only possible hope is that he is a different sort of man, that he actually doesn't want to rape and torture people, even though he's had concubines at his disposal since he's become dictator and has ordered the execution and torture of lots of people that maybe possibly somewhere in there is this grain of a man that wants change. That's it. In which case, this all makes sense. What is more likely, using history as my guide, is they will say and do anything to go along to protect the regime. 
And the prevailing winds right now are, hey, we got to meet with this Trump guy. It gives us a clout in the world, which they want. Look at this. We're not some yappy little dog. We have clout. The president met with us. It was the big news yesterday. So he gives them clout. And they may get a little something here and there. And what do they have to give up? <laughs> Nothing. What do they have to give up? They're going to give up their nuclear program. That was the that was the big deal, the big takeaway from the meeting. They've agreed to a denuclearized Korean peninsula. What does that mean? You know what North Korea has right next to them? Russia and China. They share a border with both Russia and China. Russia and China have always backed them. Okay, great. So they don't have nukes at their disposal if we can trust them, if they give the entire thing up. Is it just like they're wide open? No. Russia and China's got their back. That's if they agree to it and we actually can prove that they're not making nuclear missiles. How are we going to do that? Well, they've lied to us in the past. 1990s and moving forward. And then you've got the Iran deal, right? They promise all kinds of stuff. And you know, when it's actually done and said, you look at it. No, we can't actually inspect. Come on. So I'm about a 12 out of 10 skepticism. If they will, they are sincere. They being Kim Jong-un and his, his hardline um, Mm -hmm. party leaders. And if they will actually follow through with this. Trump, I think, is putting a good foot forward. You have to be diplomatic in these situations. You got to try something. I just am not sure it's going to get done. So here's the big takeaway. It it comes down to the agreement of a complete denuclearized North uh, uh, Korean peninsula. So what is that? uh, What does the U.S. give up in exchange for that, though? So far, what we've given up, which could change back or revert back very quickly, has been more. North Korea agrees to a denuclearized Korean peninsula and the U.S. has agreed to a couple of different things, including no more military exercises in the region. Oh, wow. The joint military exercises with South Korea. That's That's it. We're giving up because ours is immediate. Yeah. We have those exercises with South Korea several times a year. Yeah. So ours, absolutely immediate if we do what we say we're going to do. A denuclearized Korean peninsula, that's huge. The moving parts of that, how many places do they have that are trying to refine uh, nuclear material? Hmm. Where are all their missiles? Where are the missile labs? Where are the missiles stored? Where are the missile uh, scientists? Uh, Give us all the information you have. You're, you're, You're dismantling all of that today? Come on. Four takeaways from the official document they signed it's not a treaty it's not binding it really doesn't mean anything they just had to sign something to make it look like a treaty because that's what you do right yeah you you have the photo op you got a photo op and they both get to go home to their countries and go look at this we signed something something. right it doesn't actually mean anything all it is is a declaration that they met really because it says president trump uh it goes on to say that they met on uh june 12th 2018 Okay, yeah, we know. We got the video footage of that. They both signed, yes, we were here. Okay. And then it says uh, that, uh, number one, Chairman Kim Jong-un reaffirmed his firm and unwavering commitment to a complete denuclearization of North of the Korean Peninsula. Um, his firm and unwavering commitment. 
that started Tuesday? Because, see, up to now, he's been nuclearizing the Korea Peninsula. But, okay, his firm and unwavering commitment that started now. (laughs) And uh, let's see here. President Trump committed to provide security guarantees to North Korea. Security? What do you mean? Well, both of those are wide open. Are we going to protect them? We're going to give them some kind of protection? What is it? It could mean that. It could mean, hey, we're making sure nobody, you know, attacks them. That seems far-fetched. Yeah. On the uh, more simple end, we've agreed to no more joint exercises with South Korea. So it could be anything and everything in between, and so could a denuclearized uh, Korean peninsula. And that's part of the problem. There's no details and specifics. Four things they state in the document. Number one, United States and DPRK, uh, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, uh, commit to establish a new U.S. DPRK relations in accordance with the desire of the people of the two countries for peace and prosperity. Establish new relations. Well, you've already done that in signing this document. Okay. Number two, the U.S. and DPRK will join... Uh, efforts to build a long-lasting and stable peace regime on the Korean Peninsula. It's kind of fluffy and same thing. It's the same as number one. Okay. Okay. Number three, reaffirming the April 27th, 2018 uh, uh, declaration that DPRK commits to work toward complete denuclearization, uh, denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And number four, the United States and DPRK commit to recovering POW MIA remains, including the uh, immediate rep, uh, repatriation of those already identified. Um, okay, I guess we get something. I mean, that's big if you're, well, any American, you want to make sure POWs yeah. and people that are missing in action come home. Um, we'll see what they do. I guess that's probably the thing I feel best about. Yeah. If they actually do it. And then they signed it and uh, so on and so forth. But President Trump said, when asked by reporters, sanctions are going to remain in place for now. Good. But looks forward to lifting them if they do their. Okay. So that'll likely be Mm -hmm. part of down the road. Trump said no more joint war games. He said he trusts Kim. Okay. But Trump says anything in those negotiations. (laughs) I love that. He's. He is a negotiator when it comes to that. Oh, thank you. This is tremendous. I trust him. He's amazing or whatever. And then he's calling him a rocket man and stuff. You know what I mean? That, uh, that was something when I saw the pictures of them shaking hands. Like, did you know, Kim, this is the guy that called you rocket man. Right, exactly. Across the pond. Right. And, and <laughs> do, you, do you remember what I said? And I uh, shockingly may have actually said something smart. Yeah. Back in the day when I said... I think this is just a new way of communicating. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually had that trigger because I think it was in the movie, uh, whichever one about the um, um, the missiles in Cuba, the Korean missile, uh, the Cuban missile crisis. Okay. Uh, the one with, uh, I think it's the one with uh, Kevin Costner, where he said, you don't understand. They're just communicating in a different way. It's not the old. And I was like, okay, I can understand that. That's where we're at now. I mean, look at look at the public. Look how we communicate on social media. And that's what Trump... I mean, you say the most outrageous, awful things to people, and then you're like, ah, we're pals now. We're good. Right. It's just like these extremes. And I think that's where we're at. I think that's... And maybe that's how dictators operate, or at least Kim Jong-un. They yeah. say outrageous things all the time. Yeah. 
And we're always like tempered, tempered. It's not presidential. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, certainly interesting. I have strong feelings about this because of uh, my wife's family in South Korea. So I've been there. I'm knowledgeable about this stuff. I have strong feelings as a Christian because what these people are going through in North Korea, as I've outlined many times on the air, is about as bad as it can get. Yeah. I mean, you're talking World War II concentration camps in Germany-esque bad. The only difference may be in the, on the scale and the systems that are in place because, let's face it, Germany had that final solution, which was pretty damn efficient, right? But we're talking that level of, of human rights violations and in some ways maybe even worse what with the systematic rapes and tortures. So... <clears throat> It's horrible. I feel horrible as a Christian. And yeah, we ought to fight every day to, to try to change those things. As an American, I also feel bad for those things. But I also have that little bit of we cannot police the world. And that's the reason yesterday I said on the air, we've got to decide as a country. It's time. It's long past time. Who are we going to be? And it's time we establish some foreign policies that are not widely changed from administration to administration. See, when it comes to domestic policies, we're always going to have these debates, and there'll be adjustments. I would like to see some common ground found with them. But when it comes to foreign policy, we should be able to set some sort of, of general program of who we are. Under what circumstances will we invade a country? Under what circumstances will we say those human rights violations are so bad, we're going to go in and stop it, that we will topple regimes or not? I don't have all the answers. I have some opinions I'll throw out there. It's for all of us to decide. But the one thing I know is we need some rules in place. Because we look at one country and we go, oh, yeah, we'll be friends with them. In fact, we'll pay that guy a couple million bucks personally and then give them aid, wink, wink, and they'll be our friend. Yeah, they're beating the hell out of their own people. They're throwing gays off of roofs. Women can't drive or whatever. Ah, well, they're our ally in the region. How many times have you heard that? They're our ally in the region because they're, they're keeping other bad guys down or helping yes. us look for terrorists. The lesser two evils. Right. That's, that's what they do constantly. And then people with lesser human rights violations were like, we've got to get in there and change those things. <laughs> Come on. That's one thing Stop. I never understood of the United States, <clears throat> especially when it came to like Iraq, Afghanistan. And I was deployed to both of them. I was like, wait a minute. So I'm training those people right, right. now. So today I train those people. Yeah, yeah. But then tomorrow they're yeah. my bad guy and right. I'm training the other people. That's exactly it. Yes. Got it. You got it. You got, got it. it. You figured it out, Chris. Got it. See, this is what <laughs> I'm saying. It's time. We're there. You know when a lot of this went wrong when, when we did is the falling, uh, the, uh, the, when the Berlin Wall came down. Yeah. See, America was used to being in that struggle. We were a world power. It was the Cold War. We knew Russia bad, Soviet Union bad, right? And they were our main focus. China, to a lesser degree, some other countries. And we had other things going on in the world. But it really came down to that. Ta-da! And then when the Soviet Union felt, fell, for a few moments, we really were the standalone world power. Yes, China was very close with the military weapons, economy, but not like they are now. Russia had not uh, recovered yet. you know. So we were the standalone world power. And we had no idea what to do. It's like, hey, we're here. 
should we lead? Are we supposed to tell the world what to do? Are what we supposed man? to just chill? What's <laughs> we really had no idea. So we probably wasted an entire decade where we could have we could have led, where we could have said, here's what's gonna happen now. Not from arrogance and not just from threats, but from our status in the world in general. And when you educate people on the history of America and the good we've done, that carries a lot of clout with it as well, if they would have actually done it, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. So now we're here. Let's set some basic ideas of what our foreign policy is going to be in situations like this moving forward. Until they do that, this is all just us reacting. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of being established. See, when, when you're an established, let's look at it like a, a company. When you have a lot of cash, when you have a lot of uh, brand recognition, when you've built yourself up, you can suffer, you know, ups and downs. When you're small, you don't. You can't do that. When you're big, you can lead in those situations. You could say, hey, here's what's going to happen. So let's take the time and say, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to be. Until we do that, we're just reacting. Big companies or big countries, they shouldn't have to react like that. We get, we get to dictate the terms. And the world should be thankful that America's terms should be based on our values of personal freedom, personal responsibility, and free markets. That's who we are. We don't support, regardless of what the left will uh, tell you about America every day, we don't support and recognize and appreciate human rights violations. We're not keeping people down. We're not bigots. We're not discriminatory. We're people that base our values on freedom. And the world should be thankful of that. We just need to tell them, tell them what our policies are, and then execute those policies consistently. Until that happens, this is all just posturing. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. From Affirm Films comes Paul, Apostle of Christ, now on DVD and Blu-ray. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. Their faith challenged an empire. Do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. Their words change the world. Love is the only way. Paul, Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel. Available now on digital. Available on DVD and Blu-ray June 19th. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag WhatILearnedToday. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.